names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome, everybody, back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, not joined by Harrison Fagan. I promised you guys a special guest last week, and uh, it just wound up being Harrison. I'm giving you guys that special guest this week. It's Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated of the Crossover Pod, a podcast that I was essentially on. I think I, I think I'm I'm, I'm allowed to, to kind of sort of say that. Um, <laughs> Howard, how, how are you yeah. holding up? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I I should be asking you that question, uh, especially given <laughs> that the reason you were more or less on the crossover pod uh, last week when J. A. Donde and I spoke uh, at length about the Lakers was because of a tweet by you in which mm -hmm. you were. Uh, in your feelings, I guess, as the kids say, <laughs> is that the proper usage of in your feelings? Uh, yeah, I think I think the new phrase is down bad or down bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, down bad. I think it, it is. Down bad. I think, yeah, down bad. I was I was down pretty bad. I was pretty yeah. low. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, I think it was like the third straight game the Lakers had been down like thirty or so points. They were getting booed. Um. Like it was LeBron getting booed in a home game, and that was just. So crazy to me to see LeBron. I think he drove baseline through kind of a lackadaisical bounce pass that went to nobody in the corner, and and everybody was just kind of walking back up the court. And Lakers fans were raining down booze on a LeBron play, which you know Lakers fans have booed Kobe. Um, we, we we you know when when he asked for a trade that very first game, but by the end of that one, he. Uh, he was getting MVP chance. <laughs> By the end of that game, he was getting MVP I, chance. God, I remember that. I mean, I wasn't there for that one. I was because I, I was based out here in New York. By then, I do. I remember that though. That was a thing that day. Yeah, because um, there was that whole crazy thing. You know, Kobe was that was that right after he had gone on like his media tour of multiple radio interviews and Stephen A and whatever, and just yeah. saying like, "I've had it. I'm done. I'm out. I can't I'll play take on it Pluto." Anymore. What's that? <laughs> he said, "I'll play on Pluto." I'll play on Pluto. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Which wow. I think at that time was still a planet. Um, so. <laughs> Not yet a dwarf planet. He might have reconsidered if it had been reclassified at that stage. Yeah, uh, he had a, he had a strict planets only um, con contract uh, yeah, well, part. So he's Kobe uh, Bryant. I mean, like, I, of course, he shouldn't be playing on some dwarf planet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that was his point. The, the Lakers were operating like a dwarf planet in, in his mind. They didn't. <laughs> They didn't want to trade Andrew Bynum for Jason Kidd, and uh, and and he didn't like that small town stuff. And you know we've seen kind of a, a return to small town. Uh, I guess we could use financial decisions is 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 one way to phrase it this this year, where you know it comes the report comes out that they lowballed uh, Ty Lue, which we knew back then, but. Uh, Ohm uh, wrote about that for ESPN, and and some of the actual figures were, were made public, and 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 all of that. And then you also obviously have the the Caruso decision, and that rubbed fans the wrong way. And I think that's part of what kind of it all was. It, the, the the boiling point was that moment where LeBron, of all people, throws this lackadaisical pass, and and I think everybody had had enough. And 
Um, you know, and, and it led me to that tweet. And I basically said that, you know, don't even don't even stop basically at, at the uh, Lakers being the mo- least popular team in franchise history, but maybe like recent sports history. And 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 you know, it's funny because last night the Lakers lose to Philadelphia. They still still haven't won consecutive games, which might be a problem for them heading into the play in tournament. They still haven't won consecutive games since January 17th, I believe, either 7th or 17th. And and yet last night they lose to the to the Sixers and crypto was 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 rocking. They were they were behind that team. They were they were um you know, they were out there and they were loud on runs and I don't think we heard a boo all night last night. Mm. And and it made me kind of think and and you have a lot of experience with this with this city and and sports fans in general of like what is it about a team even if it isn't this one specifically but what is it about a team that you have noticed that fans just won't tolerate because i think we've seen a lot of it this season from this team there's probably a lot of different versions of this right because you know this laker version is maybe the the worst i'm not gonna say like you have framed it as like the the uh, most hateable you know perhaps laker team at least in, in your lifetime um I think that these things go on a scale based on expectations sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So you can have a LeBron-led Laker team that is whatever, 10 games under 500, wherever they are uh, today. And that somehow feels worse, especially if you're a fan, looks worse. Just the optics are worse if you're anybody else just looking at it. It, it's, it, it starts to seem, appear kind of pathetic, right? Yeah. You, you are way too good for this because there are teams at the other end of the spectrum who have no all-star talent, no hall of fame talent, no expectations, but if they're the plucky underdog night in night out and there's, and they're also 10 games, five under 500, if they could have the exact same record and they might be getting just, you know, uh, you know ecstatic cheers yeah. from their fan base and respect around the league for, man, that team's really gutting it out. Right. You right. know, that team's really, you know, they're, they're overachieving. Right. And like, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like who the best example well, of the this Clippers is. Right now, like, right? Like the, the Clippers are getting profiles sure. written about Ty Lue. Uh, they're playing without Kawhi, without Paul George. They are yeah. all of two spots ahead of the Lakers <laughs> right now in, in the standings, but but significantly yeah. ahead in in, in win loss. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and 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 but the point here is that like. Yeah, it's 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 relative to expectations. Like Clippers yes. fans you know, already have lower expectations than Lakers fans anyway, but they're sitting here saying like we've had injuries to all of our top 5 players this year and we have been dealing with uh some of the the, the worst luck this season. Neither of our stars have been healthy, I think in the calendar year. And and so like here we are still and and it's a team that like you know i don't think it, it would be one of the favorites in the play-in tournament i don't know how they'll do it should they get to the actual postseason but but still it's a team that yeah i don't i'm not particularly interested in facing if, if the lakers can avoid it and and yeah it all has to do with expectations it has to do with expectations and then there's the other part which is uh, effort and intensity and the appearance that you mm-hmm. actually like each other enjoy playing together <laughs> and are trying right so yeah. Um, the expectations are a big part of it, but even if 
there are no expectations. And this, this is where we get to the, like the Clippers are exceeding expectations because they don't have any of their all-stars playing and they're still playing their butts off. They're playing hard every night and they're playing together. And then there are, you know, teams across the league in any given season where, you know, we'll talk about like, Oh, you know, that team really plays hard. Oh yeah. They don't have much talent, but they play hard. And those teams get respect from other players, other teams, from fans, Mm -hmm. from media because of that. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about just this, this, this discontent and just this bad taste that this Laker team is leaving with everybody, part of it, I mean, a huge part of it is expectations and the, the, the names that are on that roster. But then on top of it, it's, you know, it, it doesn't really look like they're playing hard and or together and or having fun at any given time. I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might have been Larry Brown when I was covering with the Knicks who always put that um, on the dry erase board before the game. Um, have fun, play hard, play together or play, you know, some mm-hmm. in some order. Maybe it was play hard, play together, have fun. Um, those are kind of basics of basketball, right? Of, of, of sport, of <laughs> right. team sport. You know, um, play hard, play together. It's on a whiteboard behind me. Speak yeah. hard. Try look like Pot you're trying. Pot hard, Anthony. <laughs> you got to bring it. The fans deserve better than this. Yeah, um, clear eyes, full lungs, can't lose. Yeah, something, something like that. Um, no, I mean that's, but that's it. Like I, you know, and Laker fans have seen the greatest some of the greatest basketball in the history of the game. Like they know they, they, they can see what a team is just kind of going through the motions or where mm-hmm. guys aren't together. And we can talk about the fact that, okay, sure. Uh, not a great roster for all the reasons that we've all discussed ad nauseum all season. A um, lot of, a lot of aging pieces, uh, ill fitting pieces, all that stuff. But even when a team doesn't have the best talent or the best fitting talent, we have a baseline expectation of what it should look like if you are together and trying hard and trying your best. And like, even if we, we can pick apart everything that's wrong with this roster and they still should be better than what they've been. Right. And that is where you get the booze because there's a recognition and understanding that even with everything that we know, everything that we could consider about how this Laker team was put together and where its flaws are, it still should be better than this. This team should not go two months without winning back-to-back games. I was stunned. I can't remember if it was was it Dan Wykey who had the tweet the other day where I, I like it was the first time I'd realized that I, I wasn't aware of that stat and just pointing out the fact that to get out of the play and you actually have to win yeah. consecutive games <laughs> and they haven't won consecutive games in two months, um, in, including against probably some inferior competition, right? Once mm-hmm. you're in the play and. Not well, saying it's great competition, but you are at least playing against other top 10-ish teams. Uh, that's, that is a stunning stat and a, a really unfortunate one for them, uh, given what it's going to take to make the playoffs. It's hard to say any any competition is inferior, given the way that the Lakers were playing the last <laughs> couple fair. months. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think... I, I, I You hit on, on the point that I made in, in last night's lowdown was... All, all fans, like, I, I'm not, I don't want to put Lakers fans up on a pedestal here because, like, this is a, a general fan thing. If a fan feels like the people who are getting paid millions of dollars out there on the basketball court or on a football field or on a baseball field, whatever, soccer pitch, if they feel like that player doesn't care as much about that game as the fan does, like, that's when a fan says, all right, all right. Can we get somebody out there who does? And, and 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 what's funny is that the Lakers have, right? They 
for for chunks of the season they were playing Trevor Ariza and Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan, three guys whose careers are all behind them. They've they've kind of looked at this regular season and say, all right, well, this is probably it. I've had an all right career. I can I, I can I can exit on these terms. Whereas, you know, Stanley Johnson, Wendon Gabriel, um, even DJ Augustine, who has been out of the league, right? These guys, they come back and it's this injection of fresh air uh, simply because they look like they care. They have something to play for. And, and I think uh, that was something that, that fans were basically pleading for. Austin Reeves is one of the more popular Lakers this season simply because like he's willing to get hit in the face. <laughs> it's just, it's just this, it, it, and, and, uh, and yeah, and I, I hearken back to last night's loss again, loss to, to Philly in the middle of a playoff run. Right. And, and I'm not saying there's a such thing as moral victories when you're counting losses and you're counting wins to try to get into home court advantage in the play-in or even stay in the play-in at all. But I'm just saying those fans out there last night, it was the most enjoyable home game uh, that that uh, I can you know recall. There's maybe one or two more in the last couple months, and you and and the entire reason it was enjoyable was a low expectations. You knew going into it because like LeBron isn't playing. They have Embiid. They have Harden. You know how this is likely going to go. But they tried. They they looked like they cared, and and that's just something that we haven't been able to see much about a, a Lakers team that like heading into the season was the second favorite on in terms of of uh title odds right it was brooklyn and it was the lakers and and uh what a year that's been <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i just i i was i really enjoyed the conversation you and, and jay adonda had on the crossover pod which you can find everywhere that you're listening to this one um i really enjoyed that conversation because you got into some more of the history aspect of it but I just think in, in terms of like just general fandom, the, the one thing that athletes can't do is look like they don't care. Like the one thing, remember Garrett Anderson played for the Angel, Angels for a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm a Dodgers fan. So I watched him play and I'm like, man, this guy is super talented. But then I would talk to my Angels fans' friends and they would say, yeah, but he just doesn't care. Like he's super talented. He looks, he look, but he just doesn't look like he cares consistently. And, and that's the kind of thing that like only a team's fan base can really notice, but when they notice it, it's hard to get that back. So my next question is, do you think the Lakers can get some of that positive will back from this Lakers fan base? It's man, (laughs) it's going to take some doing right. I'm well, because I'm, I'm, I'm playing. You don't have to lie. You could just say no. no. All right, so stammering because I think my first impulse was, sure, yeah, of course they can, um, especially if uh, they, you know, start to find a little bit better collective spirit before the play-in, win their play-in games. um, I'm assuming it's going to take two. um, Mm -hmm. And then make it as the eighth seed and put up a good fight in the first round against Phoenix. Like that could get people back. Like you would at least, you probably going to lose to, to the Suns. Although, I mean, there's still this part of me. I, I, I think it was, was it Mannix and I had this discussion recently where I was trying to, to still do the, you know, once you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court and he was just killing me yeah, for it. I'm sure he wasn't having it. <laughs> no, but I look, 
I know this sounds delusional. I'm going to sound like a, you know, uh, the the uh, Pollyanna Laker fan who says, we just got to get all of our stars on the court together and everything will be fine. I, I'm not trying to feed into that because, you know, there's there's a bit of you are who you are uh, by this stage of the season. Yeah. I, I, I'm expecting no miracles, nor do I think Laker fans should expect any miracles. However... <laughs> They can hope. Shack, however, however, yeah. However, um, there's still this little part of me that thinks like, uh, what if the Suns are a little banged up? You know, uh, you know, uh, Chris Paul gets yet another hand injury. It seems like he has one almost annually. Um, something happens. The Suns are a little banged up or something. They're a little off when the when the uh, the first round starts, and Anthony Davis is back. And like put Westbrook to the side for a minute because I'm still not sure like where the positive version of Westbrook is with this roster. I don't know if it exists. Me neither. But LeBron and Anthony Davis and a modicum of shooting and some defense is still a dangerous team. Yeah. And I know it sounds like almost ludicrous to still be doing the, but what if? (laughs) Yeah. When we're almost in April, I just, LeBron's still playing at an MVP level and he's still LeBron freaking James. Yep. And Anthony Davis, for all of his warts, and they exist, is, is still an incredibly talented big. And the two of them together, I, I don't think anybody really wants to face if they're in sync and if the supporting cast is even, you know, reasonably decent. And I'm not saying that, you know, this isn't the old, like, obviously, you know, I, I my, my, my memory banks are filled with a lot of Shaq and Kobe Laker uh, additions doing the flip the switch thing, which usually yeah. meant that was really about Shaq more than anybody else, yeah. by the way. Like it wasn't yeah. really the Lakers flipping the switch. It was about Shaq like getting in shape toward the end. I don't think Kobe and... had a switch. Like it was just, no. it was Kobe, just like yeah. stucco taped to on. No, Kobe, Kobe yeah, Kobe's, it, it snapped in the on position yeah. and you couldn't actually, you could just keep <laughs> clicking it back and forth and nothing happens. Kobe's just on constantly yeah. all the time. There was no off. There was no medium. There was no like, you know, uh, you know, neutral setting. Um, but the flip the switch thing, I, I, I think is dangerous for a lot of teams to think it's like that that's possible and some teams can and i'm not saying that that's what this team is it's not like they're waiting for this it's not like they're just sitting there laying in the weeds like nobody nobody waits until they're 10 games under 500 and in danger of not even making the play in to flip the switch so i'm not saying it's it's that i do think that since they have missed significant players lebron and or anthony davis for significant stretches of the season there is still <laughs> this scenario, however foolish it may sound, <laughs> that LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, make them somehow dangerous in a first-round matchup. I don't think they're going to pull some upset of the Suns. I don't think that's on the table. I don't think that's uh, even remotely likely. If they do, I don't even know how we'll process it, right? Because are we going <laughs> to are we going to look at that and say this is one of the greatest upsets of all time in the first round? Because you know we've only had like three or three or four eights upsetting a one ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those were in the best of five uh, era, which we should have never left. Best of five was better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it going to be one of the most amazing upsets ever? Or is it going to be a, you were supposed to be this good all along. We're not giving you that. <laughs> you, like, you, you, you have not earned that. You should yeah. never have been this bad in the first place. We're not giving you best or greatest anything. You, you just, I don't know where we're putting you. You're in your own bizarre category. Um, so I, I don't expect it. There is some weird scenario where it could happen to your question. How do Laker fans, how do the Lakers like earn their fans respect again and their support again? That's it. Two, 
you know, a couple of great wins in the play-in and hell take the Suns to seven games, make mm-hmm. it interesting. Um, go down fighting and, and maybe that does it. I do wonder, and you would know better than I would because you're speaking as a Laker fan and I'm just some, you know, reporter who hangs out and watches and, and, and I get told uh, all the time I, that I hate the Lakers. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love these, uh, these chasms in, um, in, in fan bases. They're fascinating. Cause I see this, uh, in, in various markets and, uh, often in, in in this market where I am in New York, where like there's the Pollyanna wing of every fan base. And then there's mm-hmm. like the cynical kind of dour realist uh, uh, subset in every fan base. And they're constantly at war because <laughs> the realists sit there going like, we can curse on this podcast, right? Oh yeah. So, like like the, the realists are like, we're fucked. Like <laughs> th- th- this team has no idea what it's doing. These guys are mailing it in. The front office is a disaster. We're, we're never going to win again. I can't even believe that we're at this place. And then, yeah, the Pollyannas are like, oh, why do you hate the team? And this is now they're arguing with other people who are just as passionate of fans and just yeah. as as legitimate as fans. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting and strange dynamic. And I see it among like the Knicks fan base quite a bit because I, I Twitter was invented during my, like the Knicks era of my career, not the Laker era of my mm-hmm. career, which is pre-social media, right? So I have more people in my feed, both that I'm following and who are following me uh, from New York than anywhere. And so I, 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 and I also, I live here. So I'm immersed in Knicks, Knicks discussions. And, um, and it is like, there's these like civil wars that go on within <laughs> fan bases. I don't know if that's for all 30 teams, Um but man, like the, the extremes are, are really interesting. And it's like crazy the, that there's like an optimistic Knicks fan. I would think that that would oh, be an oxymoron at this point. That's just. Don't get me started. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> you would. Some of these folks, like it doesn't matter what screw up the Knicks have just had, how bad the record is, yeah. what bad signing or Bing whatever. Bing bong. <laughs> they, they will scream at you. You're just a hater. Uh, th- this front office is the one that's that's getting it right. This mm-hmm. coach is the one that's getting it right. Like this draft pick is the one. And uh, just pointing out that, well, is know, James Dolan still there? Uh, oh, he yeah, is. Got yeah. it. And, and, and in this in this market, um, they also don't like that. This so the in, in this market, and again, I don't know how it goes like in the Laker market or say like the Grizzlies market or you know Blazers or wherever. Um, the chasm there is that the realist slash cynic uh, subset of the fan base understands at all times, you always have to be wary because the owner is who he is <laughs> and has the track record that he does. Yeah. And the Pollyanna's pushback is, but he always spends, which is true. He's, he's never been cheap, um, but that's only one part of being a decent owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they will defend him really weirdly. Like there's nothing that's stranger odd. than seeing fans of a team with a bad owner actually defend the, the owner. owner. And so yeah. that's when you know, like, okay, this part of the fan base maybe should just go <laughs> off on its own and do their own thing. And I'm not, I'm not talking to them anymore because they, they've, they've lost it. That has to be it. That, that has to be a coping mechanism like that. Cause, oh, sure. Cause once, once you realize that your owner is bad in professional sport, if you have a bad owner in professional sports, it's over. Like you well, might have lucky, a decent, though. Yeah. Right, right. You might have an occasional season or something yeah. like that, but eventually it's going to get screwed up. And yeah. and and yeah, I mean, that's something that Lakers fans this year are kind of worried about: is are the bus siblings all just kind of bad owners collectively? Um, you know, given that yeah, they they had the one good season, 
but then they immediately sprinted in the opposite direction of like what made that good season a good season. So um, I, I'm, I'm not there yet by any means. I think Jeannie means well. I think everybody you speak to says that she like is willing to to do whatever is necessary except pay the luxury tax um, to, 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 uh, to make this team as good as possible. So we'll see. Um, on that front, that's actually uh, the perfect kind of segue. This season has been, for the most part, um, you know, Un, and I, I think we can call it an unmitigated disaster, right? Where the Russell, <laughs> yeah, the 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 Russ the Russell Westbrook trade has not worked out. Um, the the collection of former All Stars and top seventy five players has not worked out, and and uh, the Lakers are getting ready to fire Frank Vogel. I was thinking the other day on Twitter about how weird it is that the people who are going to be responsible for firing Frank Frank Vogel. He's going to get fired and whether it's an assistant coaching job for a little bit and then eventually a head coaching gig, he, there are only so many coaches with the, with an actual title under their belt. So eventually he's going to get hired again. Whereas like if Rob Palinka hit the, you know, unemployment line, how quickly would he maybe get a job again was something I was kind of worried, wondering out loud about, but it, larger picture though, how does the rest of the league look at the Lakers now after this season? Do they, you know, who comes out of this looking the worst? Is it ownership? Is it the Rambi? Is it Palinka? Is it Clutch? Is it Anthony Davis? Is it LeBron for, for pushing for the Russ trade? Um, how, 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 how does the league view the Lakers right now? Yeah, I always struggle with the how does, you know, what's the national view or what's the league view? Because, I you know, I, you know. Uh, I'm not the Gallup poll and I'm not constantly asking everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 re I respect the question, understand the question. And I do the same thing every time I'm, you know, doing my own pod or, or, or radio. We, we constantly uh, ask these impossible to answer questions of each other yeah. in this business. Um, well, there, well, there, you're giving away the secret sauce. <laughs> I know, I know, I shouldn't you're be doing that. <laughs> There's, you know what's really funny? You know what's really funny, Anthony? So, like, you know, I've been at this for for a number of years, and so I've done a, like a, a bazillion radio interviews, and so there are there's like little like radio host ticks. Yeah. And I'm not again. I am guilty of some of these myself. I I do some radio hosting myself, and like, but like I. I don't want to ever like run down the, the list because it's disrespectful to all these people who have had me on and who will be having me on in, in the future. <laughs> but like, there's a list of like the go-tos yeah. and certain like cliches or um, just boilerplate stuff yeah. that I know I'm. Who's better, explain. Michael or LeBron? Answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> I hate. I God, I hate that one. Um, and I never answer. I'm I'm the worst on those things because the worst thing you can do on TV, radio, podcast, whatever, and especially on live TV or radio is to say, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I'm kind of the, I don't know guy, because like, I, yeah. I, I don't I, like on, on things like that. I do not have a hardcore like belief of Michael versus LeBron yeah. you know, versus, versus Kareem versus Russell versus whoever you want to, else you want mm -hmm. to put in the goat discussion. Like I, I'm the, you know, I I can see it both ways, which is terrible radio, <laughs> terrible TV. Uh, uh, nobody should ever bring me on. Um, yeah. It's Alex Caruso. No conversations <laughs> ended. Uh, new nuance is not welcome in these formats. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, to the extent that I have these conversations with people around the league and and have since last summer, and I think you and I spoke about this, you know, earlier this season too, like nobody thought the Russell Westbrook trade was a good idea. Like mm -hmm. nobody in, across the league 
thought, yeah, I think I think it was a great move by the league. Like none. I, I don't think I heard a single person say, yeah, that yeah. was that was that was a, a phenomenal move for them. Um, so or they thought, oh yeah, good good job, guys. <laughs> Other than their competition was like, yeah, great idea. You do your thing. <laughs> It, it, I mean, it, it was pretty universal, the the skepticism, and skepticism yeah. is putting it lightly. Mm-hmm. So it's gone, I think, worse than most people expected. I think people thought it was going to be a bad fit. They didn't think it would be catastrophic, mm-hmm. but that's where we're at. Um, I have said, and I still have not done the research to, to, to prove this, but I still believe, I don't see how this is not the worst trade in Laker history. When you consider the circumstances, yeah. when you consider the impact and the consequences. And there are probably other trades that were imbalanced, where they gave up too much to get too little, that kind of thing. Just the basics of a bad trade. But not with the scale of this one and not with the impact and consequences of this one. Yep. And so, and, and far-reaching impacts because it goes beyond this season. Because now you got to deal with a $47 million one-year Russell Westbrook contract and mm-hmm. figuring out what to do with it and whether you're giving up assets just to offload it. And how you're backfilling and what are you left with? I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's got so many, uh, you know, tentacles to it. Because of that, I think it's fair to say that the view around the league of the Lakers in their decision-making, I don't want to single out any one person in this, but I think the view of their leadership right now is pretty low yeah. um, because of, of the, all the obvious things, the Westbrook deal, lot, you know, not resigning Caruso, um, and, and look, even we can get into this a little bit on the LeBron thing, but like, I know there's this other aspect of this where it's, well, LeBron pushed for it. LeBron demanded it. The job of a team president slash GM and the owner is to make the final call on these things. And they mm-hmm. do it all the time. I mean, Kobe wanted Bynum traded for kid and they said no. That would have been a disaster, by the way. They don't win a championship with Jason Kidd in Bynum's spot. Like they don't. So... I, and I think you're probably right, but bottom line is they said no. Shaq wanted Kobe traded for Tracy McGrady at one point, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he probably wanted him traded several times. Um, <laughs> there was the whole Jason Kidd, yeah. Sean Marion for Kobe thing. that Like a lot of things have been on the table over the years, not just for this franchise, but for many franchises. The job of the front office and the owner is to say, you know what? That's interesting. Uh, I could see uh, why we might want to do that or why you, our, our franchise star, might want us to do that. Um no, we're taking a bigger, broader. Kobe view wanted here. to be traded. What's that? There was the Kobe wanted to be traded. And Kobe himself wanted to be Do- traded. Doctor Bus had sat down with Kobe and said, "Kobe, we we aren't going to get equal value for you. It makes yeah. no sense for us to to." Now that was Doctor Bus, right? And there's a gravita there with with Doctor Bus that you know he could sit down and say, "Look, here's what we're thinking about doing. I promise we're going to get you back to like legit title contention." Um, but we can't move you right now. I'm, I'm, and, and, um, now that doesn't mean that like offers weren't taken. Like there's famously the scenario that Kobe was going to Chicago, but Chicago was going to include ironically, Lou Waldang, who is still on the Lakers books right now. Um, and, and Kobe said that he didn't want to go to Chicago if Dang wasn't there. So that trade didn't happen. Um, so they came close still and, and, and all of that, but it was still like you're saying, the organization sitting the star down and saying, we still have to do what's best for us here. Yeah. And I don't want this to come off as me absolving Le- LeBron, but I, I kind of am like, I, I like mm. 
did LeBron also miscalculate in pushing for this deal? Obviously so. I am baffled. As smart as LeBron is, and as smart about the game as he is, like that that guy sees things that none yeah. of us like listen he's played the game his entire life and i have not so he's going to see the game better than i would anyway mm-hmm. uh even the basketball you know nba players with the, the the lowest basketball iq whoever that would be will see the game better than i do that said lebron is one of the smartest players we've we've seen and he of all people should have known intuitively and just functionally how bad of an idea this was but it doesn't matter. In the, at the end of the day, he is not the GM. We can joke about LeBron's the GM, as people have done over almost every stop for him. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Ha ha, great talk radio fodder. LeBron's the GM. He's not the actual GM. The actual GM or team president and the owner have to make the final call on, uh, on, on the biggest, most important moves. They made a mistake. You cannot push this off on LeBron James. It's your job to say no. And mm-hmm. the franchises do it all the time. So at the end of the day, that that's, you know, it's on the organization. They blew it. And, and, you know, LeBron didn't tell them not to resign Alex Caruso. Hey, I'm worried about your luxury tax. I'm pretty sure he didn't have that conversation. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that, you know, the view of, of the Lakers leadership is, is not real high right now. Um, and that's, you know, it's interesting because obviously look, Jeannie hired Rob Polinka. And magic in tandem for a reason. These were people that she had longstanding relationships with and trusted. And I will never want to minimize how important it is for a franchise owner to have a, a, a relationship with the president and GM of their team that is based on, on trust and, mm-hmm. and a rapport that has years behind it so that you understand each other. That is important on some level. I don't think it's as, it's as important as basketball acumen. And I don't mean basketball acumen, the kind that, that Magic has. He has great acumen at, at a pl- as a player. There's a different kind of acumen that you need to run a front office in this league. Um, I was always skeptical. And I think I said it to Jeannie at the time when I had her on my podcast at the time. I, I, I you know, was as polite about it as I could. But I, I wasn't sure that, that that was the best idea. Mm-hmm. Was it a great idea when Vivek Ranadive decided to hire Vlade Divac because, hey, he's a former king with, you know, yeah. who's really popular and I know him and but I like him. is he actually good at the job? Like somehow that was never like a good, that was never right. asked. And, yeah. And he was, and, and we all, by the way, everybody loves Vlade. He's he's one yeah. of the great human beings to, to go through the league. Immense respect for him as as a person and as a former player. He was a disaster as a, as a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, the Knicks hired Leon Rose because... Jim Dolan has a longstanding relationship with Leon Rose and CAA mm-hmm. and, and Leon really smart guy who was great as a player agent. One of the, one of the most powerful agents out there during the course of his career, but that off season again, yeah. And, and uh, you know, not going to, you know, lay judgment just yet on, on this front office, but not looking great. Um, but this is what happens. Owners, gravitate toward the people that they already know because most owners don't know anything about basketball. And so they, they hire rather than, you know, trying to find the next Sam Presti, the next RC Buford, the next Bob Myers, the next Danny Ainge. uh, They, they go for the person who is often literally closest. Yeah, I've been working with this person because they've been an agent. I've been working with this person because they're, they're, you know, the, you know, 
wherever they are in in the, uh, the the orbit of that franchise. And it's often not the right move. And it's often people who have never done the job before. Palenka had never done the job. Leon Rose had never done the job. Um, and there are others we could go through. <laughs> Phil Jackson had never done the job. Uh, another another mistake by the Knicks. Mm -hmm. um, Steve Mills had never done the job. Um, preceded and followed Phil Jackson. Um, or had no like like Phil had no experience in in that like high level personnel decisions. No, you know he was no, a coach also, and he had his preferences, but he didn't know the ins and outs of a cap. He had never had that, no. it, you know that that experience of paying that close of attention to the minutia. Also, by the way, the the, the role of uh, and these these things become interchangeable. Team president and GM every every franchise just kind of does it a little differently, but in terms of pecking order and, and and titles and all this. But that job is so much more complex now than it was. <laughs> even 10 years ago, much less 20 or 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it, it it is, there are so many things involved in it that go way beyond your knowledge of basketball itself. And so it, it's a complicated job. Nobody should take for granted that that's something they could just jump into because they've done one strand of it as a coach or one strand of it as an agent or one strand of it as an analytics yeah. person or whatever. There's Podcaster. a lot of dimensions to it. Yes. So mm -hmm. anyway, I actually, I do want to like, I don't know, you know, we'll probably go for a few more minutes here, but before, you know, we wrap up any of this, I, before I forget, I should say, mm -hmm. I, I'm just curious. So Adande and I talked about it. You had tweeted about it. You're the Laker fan of this discussion, not me. So is this in fact like the least enjoyable? And I, there's, there's a, probably a little bit of, of, you know, um, recency bias, that could yeah. go on here with Laker fans. But do you think now I'm going to ask you the speak on behalf of all of, of Laker nation, all of Laker fans, <laughs> I'm going to turn around the unfair question, but do you think Laker fans view this as the biggest disappointment slash most least enjoyable? Because I think about like the smush Parker version of the, you know, of the Kobe years between the Shaq and Kobe era and the, and the, and the Kobe and Pow era. There's the post showtime years, the Cedric Sabalos, uh, you know, Lake Havasu, uh, <laughs> like there's, there's various other, like there aren't a One, lot two, of low three, moments two. in Laker history, um, especially in their LA history. Uh, but like there's some other low moments. So yeah. I, I do wonder like if you had to rank the, like the three worst either eras or seasons, like is, is this the worst? Yeah, I, I have it as the worst. Uh, you know, you could, it's a, expectations is a big part of it you have lebron you have ad they just won a championship two seasons ago right and um say what you will about russell westbrook i i was not high on the trade at all when they made it but i was just like you know what it's still lebron it's still ad there's no way russ can be so detrimental that he's gonna lower those guys to mediocrity well um and then and then you know you could look at the tanking years but the tanking was kind of oddly fun. Uh, there was like a novelty to it because the Lakers had never tanked before. Um, Byron was such a good tanking coach that it was like almost fun watching him find ways to get them to that well, kind of there's, level. There's the, the most damning with faint praise statement I've heard in a long time. Wow. <laughs> he, he, he was, they, it, it, like, so what was crazy about those tanking years was that the Lakers always needed, like, they needed to get, to top three or you know bottom three or bottom five to be able to keep their pick because of the various trades that they had made and and so with those seasons like because you were rooting for losses the losses didn't hurt 
And if they won, especially if they won when like Jordan Clarkson was playing well, or if D'Angelo Russell played well, if they won under those circumstances, then it was just like, it was just, you could just tally it up as a win record for a lot, you know, for losing be damned. So, um, like that was, that was a, a really fun season. The first LeBron year what you know, when he went down was pretty tough because, you know, it was a roster that you knew it was only a matter of, there was all the trade yeah. rumors with Anthony Davis. Um, and that were, that wore on everybody, whether it was players, coaches, whomever. Um, and then, you know, the Dwight Mayer season is, is up there, but I, I still yeah. say this is the, this is the worst season to watch because of everything we've talked about expectations, the low effort at times. Um, the, and, and it's like, they have been devoid of hope. Like when, when they had, when they had Dwight Howard and when they had Steve Nash, you could still say, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, you know, maybe you could flip those guys for some expiring contracts and you can kind of get out of this. But with this, I get the trade deadline. They had no options. They had there was nothing that they could have done. And then heading into this offseason, I'm still really skeptical that, you know, and, and you know, the reason I kind of wanted to ask about how the league views the, the Lakers right now, I would imagine smart organizations and smart front offices are probably lining up and saying, ooh, the Lakers are going to be desperate. They're going to be desperate to get off of that Russell Westbrook contract. And how they take advantage of the Lakers in those, in those spots is really going to be interesting to watch. So yeah, I, I recency bias does certainly help here, but, and then I thought, uh, UNJA made a great point that there isn't a Kobe LeBron isn't a Laker. Like, like LeBron is a Laker right now, but nobody views him as a Laker. AD isn't viewed as a Laker. Um, there isn't like a popular role player like the Lakers had with, with Mark Madsen or Derek Fisher or anybody like that. Alex Caruso. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he would have helped, you know, and like that was the other thing is that I think Lakers fans this season were lit in on the secret of, oh, the finances really do matter here, you know, and and that's something that Lakers fans, I don't think have, have really had to worry about as much. And so when Alex is let go for financial reasons and Frank Vogel gets an extension um, that barely, you know, does anything for him, barely makes him slightly more than a lame duck coach. Like it was just the, the, the entire experience was enlightening in a way that you don't want to see how the sausage is made. And I think a lot of people were let in on, on how that goes. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, all of that's fair. And I, I think one of the most fascinating things about this whole discussion, which JA touched on and which you just expanded on is this idea that LeBron is just not seen as a Laker in the same way. And it's understandable, right? Like he came as kind of a mercenary Mm -hmm. and he is an all-time great. He is part of a history of all-time greats who have worn that Jersey. um, And, and wanted to be there, wanted to finish his career there, did get them another championship, all of which matters. But the fact that it's the tail end of his career, that he's not, homegrown that he that he did come there you know kind of because it was the perfect match of superstar and you know super franchise right like the two you know a legendary player and a legendary franchise linking up makes all the sense in the world but at the stage of his career that he does it it you know it probably comes off as so mercenary that it's it's harder to embrace i mean i remember his first season there i think it was the first season before he went down where there was some milestone he hit 
where like it, it seemed like like the fans at Staples didn't even really respond that much. Like there wasn't that 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 massive ovation because it didn't probably didn't feel as organically earned for them. It had for him as an individual, but it's not the same thing as when you've watched this guy grow up in front of you and hit a bunch of you know earlier milestones to make that yeah. one feel uh, resonant. And so it is, it's I, when all is said and done, whenever LeBron hangs it up, however many seasons he'll end up having spent with the Lakers, whether he can hang another banner or not. I do wonder how Laker fans will ultimately feel about him. Uh, given what a, what a weird um, just, you know, era this has been mini yeah. era, you know? Um, so just on, I, I, I want to close on this just cause it's, it, I, I find this kind of stuff funny as it plays out. I tweeted out last night. So the tweet is 10 hours old at nine 36. Um, my time out here, a tweet from, uh, Matthew writes the way this season has gone. I can see the Lakers get their shit together and look decent, get 80 back, but too late and tie with the Spurs record wise and miss the play in <laughs> final, <laughs> final nail in the season from hell, LOL. Like that's just. You know, and, and like, that was the thing that I kind of DM'd, but we, and we got to wrap up, but that was the thing that, that I tweeted or that I DM'd with you was, was it's crazy how often if I just tweet like, man, I do not like this team. I have not enjoyed this season. There is zero blowback. Nobody in, in Silver Screen and Rolls mentions, my mentions, Harrison's, anybody I know, if we just say, good, the, this season has really sucked. It, most Lakers fans are saying, yeah, this is the team I've hated the most in my lifetime. Jason Jones, who covers the the, the Kings and grew up um, in LA in the Long Beach area. And he'll, you know, I, I tweeted that and he was like, yeah, I can't stand, I can't watch this team. It's just, it's just how this goes with this market. Um, I've taken up way too much of your time already. I appreciate you hopping on at this time. You can check his work out at sportsillustrated.com and check out his podcast, The, Pro the Crossover Pod. Uh, which he does with Chris Mannix um, and, and occasionally my tweets. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you hopping on, Howard, uh, given how busy everything is, and best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, always a pleasure, Anthony. Good luck uh, the rest of the way. See you at the play-in. Okay.